Hello, and welcome to the Landis Cooperative Experience podcast featuring the bull bear banter. We all know that markets often behave in a way that can't easily be explained. The bull bear banter is our best effort to digest the noise of the marketplace. So thank you for joining us. Sit back, relax, and let's talk about the markets. Hello, this is Tom Guinan, and I'd like to welcome you to the October 9th episode of the bull bear banter. Cheyenne Dunham is joining me and will give us an update on this week's market. Cheyenne? All right, Tom. So for our market update today, December corn gained eight cents, closing at three ninety-five, which was up more than fifteen cents for the week. March corn futures ended the day at four oh two and a quarter, which was up seven and a half for the day and thirteen cents for our week on week. Switching over to soybeans, January added seventeen and three quarters cent today. Those ended at ten sixty-five and three quarters, which is gaining more than forty cents for the week. And March soybean futures gained 25 and a quarter cent today. That puts them at 1048 and a quarter, which was up almost 30 for our week on week. Please want to make a note here that is 17 and a half cents less than January futures. That inverse continues to widen for every subsequent month this crop year before the bottom drops out for November 2021, which closed at 980 and a quarter today or 85 cents less than January futures. Thanks, Cheyenne. This week's big story is undoubtedly the WASDE report that was issued today. For corn, they reduced planted and harvested acres and made a slight reduction to the national yield. We also saw some reductions on the demand side, specifically for feed and ethanol demand. Long story short, ending stocks dropped a little more than $300 from the September report. The biggest part of that was due to adjustments in last year's carryout as it lost more than 250 million bushels. For soybeans, acres were reduced slightly, yield remained the same, while exports increased. They also reduced last year's ending stocks by more than 50 million, with the result a drop of 170 million for this year's ending stocks estimate, now just below 300 million. We'll discuss the details in more depth as well as other items impacting prices as we move into the bull bear factors. For our bullish factors, the main bullish factor in today's WASDE for corn was the 1 million acre reduction in both planted and harvested acres. Previously, the USDA had estimated just over 92 million acres planted and 83.5 million harvested. With today's report, those numbers dropped to just under 91 million planted and 82.5 million harvested. Some of the states with major reductions to planted acres include North Dakota, losing 450,000 acres, South Dakota, down 400,000, and Iowa, losing 300,000. Other states gained some acres with Illinois up 500,000, and it looks like they found some of those previously lost acres in Nebraska as they gained 400,000 there. I'm still wondering how you find corn acres this late in the year. Beyond that, they also reduced last year's ending stocks by more than 250 million bushels, which is mostly by increasing the feed demand by 227 million and increasing exports by 13 million. Ethanol remained about the same as the September report, that was down 300 million bushels. They also tweaked other industrial category by adding 20 million bushels of demand. Moving on from there, corn production dropped to 14.722 billion bushels versus 14.9 previously, with a national yield of 178.4, down slightly from 178.5, which we saw last report. Ending stocks remained above 2 billion bushels at 2.167, but that's down from the 2.5 billion before. 
And world-ending stocks also dropped. Those were down about 6 million metric tons to 300.45. Export inspections last week came in at 34 million bushels, which was up slightly from the previous week. It was 16.6 million for the same week last year, just to give you an idea. And cumulative exports now stand at 144 million bushels loaded versus 80 million at the same time last year. Taking a look at how many of those shipments went to China, that was more than 13.5 million, which was about 40% of the weekly number. And finally, export sales dropped quite a bit last week with 48.3 million bushels sold compared to 79.8 million the previous week. However, we're gonna keep this in the bull column as total commitments now stand at more than 1 billion bushels compared to 394 million at this point last year. And we only need to average about 27 million per week to hit the USDA's annual projection. The biggest negative for corn in today's report was the reduction in demand by 100 million bushels. They reduced both feed and ethanol demand by 50 million bushels for this year. The national crop ratings for corn gained a point in the last report. As of Sunday, it's 62% in the good to excellent categories versus 56% last year. Iowa actually gained three points to get to 45%. Both Indiana and Minnesota also gained three points to hit 62 and 81% respectively. Illinois stayed at 73%, while Nebraska dropped two points to 61%. Harvested acres were estimated at 25% versus 15% last week and 24% on average. Even though U.S. ethanol production increased last week to 271 million gallons, up about 12 million from the previous week, we're going to keep it in the bear column for now. This is simply because ethanol production so far this year is close to 6% below the same time frame last year, while the USDA is calling for an increase of close to 5%. Ethanol stocks also declined slightly last week to 826 million gallons, down 1 million gallons. Gasoline demand continued to track about 6.5% below last year for the past four weeks. But if you go back a little further, we're almost 9% behind over the last 16 weeks when comparing year over year. This also gives us a reason to question the USDA's increase in ethanol demand year over year. Crude oil futures have improved this week, gaining about $3 per barrel. They continue to be around $40 per barrel, though, so I'm going to keep them in the bear column for now. For soybean bull factors, soybean prices improved with the WASDE report today. Prior to the report, they were about 15 cents higher for January futures, and immediately after the report, they climbed to about 30 cents higher, before settling out about 18 to 20 higher. Some of the deferred months gained even more, up about 25 cents, but they continued to show the inverse discussed earlier. The main positive in the report was the reduction to ending stocks for this crop year. The U.S. is now estimated at 290 million bushels versus 460 previously. Keep in mind, it was just a year ago when we were using about 900 million bushels for the carry-in number. Another positive was the increase in exports we saw today. Those are now estimated at 2.2 billion bushels, which is up 75 million. And export inspections were very strong last week. Those jumped to 61.3 million bushels. This was also above the top end of expectations and the highest yet for the new marketing year. This puts us up at 243 million bushels for the first five weeks versus 155 million at the same time last year. As expected, China was the main destination again with about 73% of the shipments headed there. And finally, export sales were strong again last week. Those came in at 95.2 million, which was the same as 
this week. This now marks the fifth week in a row of sales above 90 million. China again accounted for more than 40% of those. And total commitments to all destinations now stand at just shy of 1.5 billion bushels versus about 600 million at this time last year. This is close to 70% of the USDA's estimate for the year. And we now need to average about 15 million bushels per week for the rest of the year to hit the USDA's new estimate of 2.2 billion. As far as bear factors for soybeans, crop condition scores remained at 64% in the good to excellent categories nationally, well above last year's 53% at this point. It's interesting to note that Iowa and Minnesota both gained two points, Illinois and Indiana gained three points this week, and yet the national number stayed unchanged. Harvested acres were estimated at 38% at the end of last week for the U.S., up from 20% last week and 12% last year, and well above the five-year average of 28%. Iowa jumped to 55%, up from 30% last week and 20% on average. We continue to believe we're much further ahead than that in central Iowa, with soybean harvest done or close to done in many areas. As mentioned previously, there is an inverse in soybean futures as well as cash prices for almost every delivery period during the rest of the crop year. The one exception is a slightly better bid for delivery to Ralston in January versus now. The market is sending a clear message, and that message is sell soybeans now. We know there are many advocating for $11 soybeans. We just want to caution you about placing too many bets on that, given current values for delivery beyond January. On our What to Watch For and upcoming events, our next USDA WASDE report is scheduled for November 10th. Weather continues to look very favorable for harvest the next few days. Perhaps we'll see a little rain in areas early next week. It feels like we could all use a little bit of a break. Temperatures return to more seasonal levels starting on Monday, so please continue to be safe out there and keep an eye on all members of your team throughout the balance of harvest. At the end of today's bull bear banter, we have a bonus segment about cattle grazing corn stalks in the derecho and drought areas. Our guest is Lee Arnold, our resident expert on beef cattle, and we hope you'll stick around for that. And finally, the Bull Bear Banter is celebrating our two-year anniversary this week. We just want to take a moment to thank all of you for listening. We say it every week, but seriously, if there's anything you'd like to share with us about the podcast, please make sure to let us know. We want to continue to provide information that you want and need. So thanks again. And now for Tom's take. This week, I have a couple of thoughts bouncing around in my head. The first one has to do with what Cheyenne talked about earlier, and that is this inverse in soybeans. If you've heard me talk before, you know I like to try to put things in context by looking at charts. What I know is that prior to August 10th, the January soybean chart was almost $2 below where we're at today. If I didn't know anything about that chart and I was looking at it, I'd take one look and pretty quickly decide I'd much rather sell whatever that chart was about than buy at that level. So when I hear that there are people taking beans home to a bin, I just have to wonder why. With the exception of Ralston, our cash bids are the same for delivery now through January, and then they drop about 20 cents or more for February, and that also applies to Ralston, and they drop even further from there. So the question for those filling bins with beans is this. Do you really want to buy beans at this level, at or above $10 in cash? Because at least in my mind, that is what you are doing if you're not selling them at today's cash price. I'm not talking about bringing them to town and putting them on storage. I really think you need to sell soybeans today or have a very solid reason for not selling them. I also hope your time frame for emptying your bean bin is very short. Please don't carry them through this inverse. Now let's add that idea to another one. 
Some of you have heard us talk about our bonus premium contract. If you have 5,000 bushels of beans to sell, we can actually give you an additional 25 to 30 cents per bushel above our cash price right now. It does require you leaving an offer with us for next year's soybeans. Right now, that offer would be well above $10 on the November 2021 board, which closed today at $9.80. This offer can expire at the end of July or the first part of October. Your offer would be about 20 cents higher if you chose the October expiration, but I'd really suggest you choose the July expiration. If you have any interest, contact your local grain marketing advisor or me. We really think the market is sending a clear message. We want to make sure you are hearing it. That message is sell, Mortimer, sell. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for this special portion of this week's Bull Bear Banter. My name is Alicia Hewen, and I have with us on the line Lee Arnold. Lee is one of Landis's livestock uh, performance and production specialists, and we're going to talk with Lee a little bit today about cattle and corn stocks. So, Lee, thanks so much for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So there's a lot going on out in the fields right now. Lots of guys combining corn, but with the drought that most of our territory experienced this year, and then the derecho that a good portion of our territory experienced in August, what are you seeing from a livestock perspective for corn stock quality? Where we were at, uh, the drought really didn't affect the quality of the stock that much. Uh, probably the biggest concern is the derecho, and if we blew the corn down and it actually did not break the plant off and kill it, we're probably worse off because uh, then we're worried about uh, molds and uh, monotoxins, that kind of thing. There's been a lot of concern about uh, possible nitrate issues with the drought in the western part of the state. I've sent several uh, tests in silage wise and everything has been very low count there so so that's uh, that's a positive probably the other thing is the main concern is just the down corn and how much corn's on the ground, how safe is it going to be to graze these corn stocks so we just need to get out in the fields and walk them to kind of know each individual producer's potential for problems that we have sure so you talked a little bit about, you know, livestock producers um, thinking about feeding these stocks, grazing these stocks, silage. What are some concerns that, a, that a, one of our um, cattle producers should consider before using those stocks for feed or grazing this year in particular? Yeah, uh, like I said, there's probably five main concerns right now is, is nitrates, which we just talked about, which we probably still should test for but very low numbers right now so that's good you know most numbers are thousand parts per million or less or safe to feed anything i haven't had one result come back higher than 300 parts per million and then we get into the the mold and monotoxin issues where we got down corn and if if we got you know got rained on and, and the plants still green on the bottom side the last one is just the amount of corn and how are we going to utilize that? How, how are we going to not get too much corn into these cows? Um, you know, are we going to founder, kill, abort? I mean, have all those issues. So that's just, uh, that's, that's the main concerns that we have this year. 
yeah, we don't need any insults on top of injury for those guys with uh, with down corn and and uh, cattle. So, as Landis's livestock specialist, how can you help? And how do our farmer owners and producers get a hold of you, Lee? Well, the first thing you know, if they have concerns, they need to call me. We just we walk the fields, try to figure out how much corn's on the ground, uh, maybe some samples if we feel like there's more mold than normal check for monotoxins just kind of sit down and make a plan with me you know maybe we need to bale it maybe we pick some of that fodder up and corn up and and we can grind it and dilute down with other feedstuffs to kind of uh you know the the old saying is dilution is the solution you know if if we have too much problem out there uh, there's what they call strip grazing where we move, you know, nobody wants to probably do this, but it, it's the safe thing, you know, move electric fence every day or so many days and only give them so much portion of the field. Uh, there's another option of, um, working the cows up onto corn, like, uh, putting them in a, in a feed yard and start working them up. So when we do turn them out, they're kind of used to it already. Um, there's another option where we could talk about rotating in and out of that field for so many hours a day for so long till we uh, feel like we're uh, getting to the point where the cows can handle it. Another option that I'd probably prefer the best is if a guy is a farmer feeder, maybe we take those calves and put out on that stock ground and, and, and actually put some weight on those calves from that 600 to 1,000 pounds and um, and get some free cost of gain and, and be way safer with some of the issues that we've talked about with a feeder animal compared to the, to the pregnant cow that we've talked about. Probably one of the biggest things, if, if, we, if we graze these stocks at all, is uh, get some kind of uh, plan made. They're, they're, Animals definitely going to need some uh, some NPN in their in their rumen, uh, non-protein digestible nitrogen, which probably the the easiest and best way to do that is with our Rangeland 3013 tub. Get that set out ahead of time. Get that nitrogen in their gut just so it helps digest everything. Because uh, that that corn that they're eating will actually kind of limit some of their eating just because they're getting more good out of it. But um, it's just going to take a, a one-on-one plan. Each each guy's going to be different. Uh, but, uh, you know, give me a call at 712-830-9290, and I'd be glad to help anybody in any way we can. Yeah, even if you're not working with any of our Landis uh, livestock and new animal nutrition teams, uh, Lee is more than happy to take your call. And sounds like he, you have some good options for uh, kind of a, a gnarly situation out in those cornfields and part of our territory. Uh, Lee, why don't you give everybody your cell phone number one more time, and uh, then we'll wrap up this extra special session of the Bull Bear Banter. Yeah, and just call me anytime, Lee Arnold at. 
That's all we have for you today. We appreciate you joining us for the Bull Bear Banter. If you'd like to contact us, you can send a tweet to at Landis Co-op or drop an email to podcast at LandisCooperative.com. Our tagline is bears make money, bulls make money, and pigs just go to market. If you have any questions regarding grain marketing decisions, please reach out to your area grain marketing advisor. We want to thank you for listening, and we'll be back with you again next week. <music>